intellectual disability is basically anatomically there is no challenges in the person mm -hmm. but how do we term a person has intellectual disabilities is there is an impairment in communication mm -hmm. impairment in understanding the social clues and also cognitive impairments so uh, if this three are prevalent in someone so we term them as intellectual disabled Welcome to another episode of the brand called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. If you are new to our channel, please consider subscribing to it and hit the bell icon so that you never miss an update. I am your host Ashutosh Garg, and I am very privileged to welcome Amrita Roy Chowdhury from Calcutta uh, to the show today. Amrita, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Amrita. is a disability rights activist she's a livelihood consultant and is she's a social entrepreneur so you know tell me about the work you do amrita the work is basically you know giving identity dignified identity to the persons living with intellectual disabilities mm -hmm. because at one point of time they tends to be you know very um a kind of non reactive non responsive member of the society mm -hmm. so my work began uh, from there mm -hmm. and also in the broader goal is to prevent homelessness for any kind of uh, intellectual impairments a person should not be homeless mm -hmm. so right from you know creating the identity through livelihood and retaining their rights in the community is what our work is okay and what motivated you to start working uh, on these challenges in our society you can say it's basically uh, you know in the first love uh, love at first sight okay but uh, uh, there is nothing specific but the innocence the white and black world there is nothing gray with them that actually motivated me a lot attracted me a lot to mm. work with this community okay and uh, what are some of the challenges you have faced in building your organization um and if you can give me some examples that would be wonderful first challenge is you know uh, in the disability uh, fraternity what we usually see mm -hmm. the parents who have their children uh, with disability they usually come mm -hmm. none of them who doesn't have any history of uh, disabled people in their family they usually don't come in this sector mm -hmm. so my first challenge was you know the acceptance in the fraternity mm -hmm. about why did you come because you don't have anyone disabled mm -hmm. in your family mm -hmm. neither your children are disabled mm -hmm. uh, so why are you here to work for us mm -hmm. that was very big challenge to you know gather the confidence that i work out of passion not because it's a need um so that we it took time but uh, you know when we established ourselves when we showed something that yes this is the way that person can be retained in the community and they can be a part of other mainstream uh, community also mm -hmm. so gradually uh, i i and my organization was welcome enough and we started you know pitching in very deeply within the community fascinating so take me through the process you know uh, how do you select someone to get uh, your support and then what is the rehabilitation process uh, rehabilitation is basically through work 
we all know when we sit idle mm. there are a lot of things that which are not under our control so called we are in the normative background normative structure of the society but people who already have some intellectual impairments some other kind of challenges mm. they tend to you know more and more affected with our with sitting idle mm. so there are a lot of special schools you see but one point of time you won't see lot of special needs adult on road so when we see so many uh, patients on in hospital so many children in the school so what happened to them when they young adults so that was my uh, biggest uh, question and i hunted that either they sit at home idly and rehabilitation medicines therapy actually don't work mm. but if we set up the environment or platform where they can come and earn themselves financial independence their own authority mm. this becomes very therapeutic and whatever livelihood uh, projects that we choose mm. actually have a therapeutic benefits like if you talk about our bakery bakery is uh, cooking or baking is itself very therapeutic because the aroma the texture mm. and food uh, most of the people are very foodie mm. so they used to love it right mm. now we are having a textile uh, project which is also uh, full of you know the sensory issues uh, that they have mm-hmm. is with colors the textures the aroma lot of water which helps one to soothe down mm-hmm. not only with medicines or any therapy so called because we don't see any 28 year old guy is going to a therapist uh, clinic mm-hmm. and which is actually not any uh, advisable at that age mm-hmm. so uh, the therapeutic work is transformed into the livelihood work so that is how we design okay and uh, can you give me some examples without giving names of course of uh, how you got some people help them through rehabilitation and what are they doing now okay so uh, how we got is actually we collaborate with other parent skill training organizations so there are a lot of parent support group hmm. so we connect with them and from there there are a lot of screening process mm-hmm. like there has to be a uh, self help skills has to be very much you know they have to be independent they need to have certain uh, basic um, um, you know criterias like they they need to travel on their own mm-hmm. they have to have this money concept so these are the things that we take it as a baseline okay. and uh, then we uh, take them for work so right now uh, our bakery is closed down because of the lockdown mm-hmm. but for the textile we are having you know sustainable fash- accessories and accessible accessories mm-hmm. so they well established in that they come to the work and uh, since we have we are having lockdown so the projects are being sent to their home mm-hmm. so they are engaged in that and gradually i think in two or three months we are uh, hoping to you know full fledged manufacturing unit of our own okay. with uh, all our people over there amazing amazing so amrita you are also working in the area of visual rehabilitation uh what are the challenges you face here and how are you handling them right now though i'm not uh, practicing actually but that was what i started with as my career mm-hmm. uh visual rehabilitation is basically when the anatomical part of an eye is okay mm-hmm. but physiologically the eyes are not functioning and the challenges in that field is mainstreaming the children in the school because of uh, visual uh, challenges one child tends to lose the intellectual or the cognitive part mm-hmm. and also you know the rat race the bullying part the kind of pressure academic pressure that we see in the schools nowadays 
is very difficult for children mm. so that's why there is a therapeutic rehabilitation management that we do in clinic and home mm. but uh, for last 5 years i'm totally into uh, the social development sector wonderful and then you know when i was reading about you you also there's also talk about uh, you're working on intellectual disabilities yes um tell me what is an intellectual disability and what are you doing here intellectual disability is basically anatomically there is no challenges in the person mm -hmm. but how do we term a person has intellectual disabilities is there is an impairment in communication mm -hmm. impairment in understanding the social clues and also cognitive impairments so uh, if this three are prevalent in someone so we term them as intellectual disabled and here we have three projects with them currently as a education program for the children mm -hmm. the skill training program for the adults and livelihood programs for their you know future part after they pass off the skill training center okay and uh, can you help me understand the process that you follow in each of these three segments for children and for uh for children it's early education program where also you know we keep the uh, therapies therapeutic management in mind mm -hmm. but it's basically to focus on their skill development mm -hmm. because over the time we have seen medicines and therapies are important but at the same time it is very important to keep mm -hmm. the skilling part of the uh, children in mind when they grow as i said the, that that time therapies are actually of no use mm -hmm. so that time uh, they need to have a proper uh, livelihood or proper engagement of the time mm -hmm. so basically we focus on skilling part through different therapeutic management we mostly focus on that okay and you know amrita when you are you know working with all these people uh, one of the aspects of rehabilitation as i understand is also to settle them down in an in in a worked environment where they are able to earn their livelihood um do you work with a lot of companies we actually run social enterprises so we are connected with lot of e portal sites mm -hmm. we have lot of local entrepreneurs who are helping us out mm -hmm. you know to uh, have uh, collaborative promotions or maybe you know it's an exchange of uh, programs that we do so not big companies but uh, yes as in very medium and small scale enterprises mm -hmm. are we are in collaboration with and what is the uh, feedback you get from the companies the managements of companies on an environment of inclusivity inclusive is a, a very big term you know that we need to practice correct it doesn't happen overnight mm -hmm. because there are policies uh, which uh, actually mention about inclusivity Mm -hmm. but each one of us need to practice what inclusivity is mm -hmm. what empathy is because sometimes it happens that out of sympathy i want to help someone but that might be you know very hurting to that person who wants to have a dignified uh, life mm -hmm. so this fine balance of empathy and sympathy is very important companies i would say they want to come Mm -hmm. but that bridging we need to have very strong how to do it we all have a mindset to do something for the marginalized or the vulnerable uh, group mm -hmm. and especially in our country when there is marginalization is so so huge marginalized community mm -hmm. so we need to build a very strong bridge how to go about it how to do it if mm -hmm. i'm 
helping or lending my hand to help it should be very dignified not out of because i have a fund and i want to give hmm. not only because of that hmm. responses are mixed but mindset are changing i'm very happy that young generations actually take it up in a very spiritful way hmm. and uh, since you just spoke about the young generation um i have seen millennials and gen zs tend to give back far more yes. than the older people like me what are what are your intentions uh maybe you know there are mixed notions for experienced people like there are good organizations there are not so good organizations there are organizations who really work very deep in the community mm-hmm. and which is very difficult to reach out but there are small organizations who are sustaining very difficult in a very difficult situation to prove them that mm-hmm. they want to work so you know this balance is very difficult for the experienced people where is the young generation they are you know very uh, uh, pro uh, to not to think so much and mm-hmm. just dig into they they want not only monetarily but they want to be a part of the change so that is also very important because our organization is a very voluntary driven organization mm-hmm. so a lot of young people they do come because they want to do something mm-hmm. and as i said they don't know how to go about it Okay. so this change i have seen a lot in this young generation and one more question you know there's a lot of talk about gender diversity um in in the corporate world in the governments all over the world i want to understand from you that in uh, the area that you were working are there any challenges of uh, gender diversity also of course uh, because the kind of intellectual impairments that we find is basically male born okay. maybe females are not in a position to go out or taken out because of the societal um, challenges mm-hmm. the transport the accessibility maybe because of that mm-hmm. so it's a very male born and our males are equally endangered in com- terms of you know abuse and exploitation i see so uh, i would say in if you see uh, say that um, the kind of uh disabled adults that we see is more in numbers of males so there uh, is a gender diversity at home there is a gender diversity um in in every practices that we do very interesting so amita i'm going to move to the next section which is some questions for you personally um my first question is that you know you you are giving back so much to the community to society what would you say are three key milestones or key pivots in your life or your career first milestone is in 2010 when i got an offer in one of the government uh, hospital here uh, for joining in the neurodevelopment department right. from there visual rehabilitation to working in the social development sector has been a huge journey for me hmm. next is 2015 when i decided i'm going to leave my practice where i had a very lucrative career over there but i want to do something which is more exciting more deep rooted mm-hmm. for the development for the sake of changing the society mm-hmm. third is being in 2018 when i started our first livelihood venture sip and bite mm-hmm. with 16 adults living with intellectual disabilities and their parents mm-hmm. so you know this three milestones i think has been a Absolutely. great impact wonderful and again my next question is that uh, what would you say are 
some of your core values <laughs> first is leave and let live i think that's the first thing that i believe but yes again um it's more important for us to be empathetic uh, if we really want to bring a change we need to inhibit this practice of empathy very nice um my next question is what does success mean to amrita maybe if i wouldn't have uh, seen this covid so closely mm -hmm. because of some of my personal issues mm -hmm. i would have defined success in a very different way mm -hmm. but to me till date success is number of people number of lives impacted and how many people are having a peaceful peaceful sleep mm -hmm. because of our work our organizational work so i think that's what success means to me okay and uh, a follow up question to that is who or what inspires you i think you know the smile that i see in my team members the immense confidence they're always on their toes is what motivates me a lot they never say no mm. so it's always a yes for them for anything and of course the team team people that i work with the community that i work with is is greatest inspiration for me when i see people having so much of challenges but still they are living to the fullest they know how to live so i think that inspires me a lot terrific uh, i've got time for two more questions uh, for you my next question is that if you uh, amrita were a role model to millions of children who closely followed you and your life choices what is the one thing you would change in yourself i think it's it's you know again inhibiting the practice of some leisure work mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not only should we eat sleep work or work eat sleep there should be something a leisure uh, habit that we need to incorporate, incorporate. or I maybe i i should and that i guess that is something you know would be a message to everybody who's going to listen yes. to our conversation isn't it very important about a hobby skills um, practicing that hobby skills enhancing that skill which is very important in in our uh, this you know new normal time correct correct well said and my last question to you uh, is a question on failure um i have often said that parents in india don't teach children it's okay to fail yes we are always told first in class head of the line etc and that manifests itself in our behavior patterns yet we fail we learn so my question to you is what have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes yeah there have been you know a lot of mistakes uh, while uh, you know doing this journey first is never give up every day you got to pick yourself up mm. i remember a small incidents when we needed to find a chef for ourselves because mm. we had a very tight funding budget mm. we needed a chef who can really help us without any money mm -hmm. i knocked the door of 20 such chefs before we fix on our two uh, chefs who have who actually helped us so every day i used to be you know i think i today it won't happen but again next day i said no i need to find out because i just can can't leave it up so first is this the patience the immense patience and self motivation mm -hmm. which is very important and also uh, personally i feel you know a proper budgeting Uh, or accounting which i think which i i have been a core science student i never knew how to do a budget how to do a uh, write a report this all were my learning 
so i feel these are few things which i have learned during my work and life goes on so every day is a learning for you there is something to learn new in every day wonderful amrita thank you so much it's been such a privilege speaking to you thank you for sharing such an amazing journey that you've had thank you and good luck thank you thank you good luck to you Thank you for listening to the brand called You video cast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.